Welcome to the Startup to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Mm. The crazy heat wave is finally over. Yeah. Actually enjoying time outside now. I always feel so bittersweet about that because I'm just, I really do love the heat a lot, but at some point you get a little bit uncomfortable, but I don't want to complain about it because it's yeah, yeah, I exactly. would so much rather have it be hot than cold. Yeah, no, same here. My, my biggest problem these days is the dog. The mm. dog has zero heat tolerance. Mm. He's a winter dog. That's so. what happens when you wear a fur coat around for yeah, exactly. 12 months a year. Why? Well, that was a stupid idea. <laughs> Thanks, evolution. <laughs> Learn to sweat, dummy. <laughs> Get on my level, dog. <laughs> yeah. He's still my best friend, so. Yeah. I forgive you. I forgive you for this. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah, yesterday was actually nice and sunny, but not too hot. Yeah. So, we actually went kayaking just 15 minutes away. Like I, mm. I did not know like that we have these beautiful shorelines <laughs> that you can actually access for free and yep. so we just brought our kayaks down and yeah the dog swam and chased some ducks and, <laughs> and we went kayaking the dog doesn't love the kayaking part but mm. he puts up with it that's all you need yeah yeah i was actually out uh on friday of last week hanging out with a friend of mine and we went down to the river uh down like I guess it's like LaSalle Park or like Park de Rapid, like that area. And uh, I've gone rafting there before and like little geology fact, but the St. Lawrence River used to be like a lava flow. And the reason we have rapids there is because uh, of the way the rocks formed under the water. So the water will hit the rock and create standing rapids and standing waves. Um, And for whatever reason, they don't erode. I guess the, the rocks are too strong or too tough. But anyway... Uh, you can go like rafting through those rapids and that kind of thing. But I didn't realize that there was a, there's a couple standing waves that are pretty close to shore that people go surfing on. So you can, I, I was, my friend and I were watching the, um, the surfers at, for like 45 minutes. It's like incredibly entertaining to watch. Um, uh, I, <laughs> we, I looked like a creep because I was like, oh, I really want to take a video of, of somebody who's killing it. And I want to show my wife and I want to like get a couple people to go because I think it'd be fun. And like the women were smoking the men, like the they were. There was one really young guy who was incredibly good, but I'm like taking videos of, of people surfing, and I'm like, I look like such a creep, like <laughs> just like, filming the women. Yeah, exactly, like bikini clad <laughs> women surfing. I'm like, but she's really good at surfing. It's because of her low center of gravity that I'm <laughs> filming her. But yeah, like the um, it's super cool. I'm going back, and you're coming. You you and I are going to go surfing. We're gonna go yeah, back. I I mean I've. I've known for years about it, but uh, I never, yeah, I never tried it. So totally interested in trying it, but yeah, yeah. So I, I did some research, and you can take lessons, but the lessons are booked basically for the rest of the year. So I think I'm going to go on like the Montreal subreddit or something and see if I can find somebody who has a board or would be open to, to you know, giving some basic instruction. Or I could just go and ask the other surfers, like, oh, hey, you know, got any tips? Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. It's you know to think that. 
you can you, you know we're so far from the ocean that surfing has never been on my radar it's totally like, oh. yeah yeah i went surfing when i was in hawaii and i was like oh i'd love to do this again oh well back to riverland <laughs> yeah but no we have these standing waves which is nice because you can basically surf them you know for for as long as you want right like, yeah until you fall off yeah I think there's some, um, I, I think there's a code amongst the people who surf. It's like, oh yeah, you like, you wait your turn, but you can't, and don't stay in the wave for longer than whatever it is, two minutes or something like that. Cause like the people who are good are really good. And, uh, I mean, conceivably there was one, that one young guy, uh, he was a kid basically. He, he could stay in that wave all day. He was like dancing around on his board. Like he was amazing. <laughs> so yeah. How was, uh, this week in Power Importer? Yeah, it's it's going well. I'm working on this new no-code product that I s- sort of mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I did like a big I scoped out the whole project because basically it's like it's a no-code tool, but I'm I'm really building it because I need it to build this other side project, mm-hmm. and I and at the same time I know that other people are going to need it also. So right. it's like so the side project will kind of serve as a a demonstration of this new no-code tool that works well with Power Importer. So basically creating this whole new stack for building no-code projects. So I scoped it all out and then I sort of identified the key parts that have the most risk. Okay. Like, you know, if I can't get this to work, then forget it. The whole thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I was working on this week. Okay. So basically it's like I have to make this, this JavaScript snippet that someone can just add to their Webflow site, um, a bit like JetBoost and all the other no-code tools. And then I need to be able to like create models like on top of their website. Okay. So, so yeah, so I, I got one prototype working, but in the end, I think uh, I have to scrap it. It's it's not the best solution. Okay. It's basically what I'm doing is I. I'm creating an iframe, like the size of the whole viewport. Okay. And then I'm running like my other website in there. Okay. Uh, it works great. And mm-hmm. and I actually didn't know you could do this, but you can set the background of an iframe to like transparent. Okay. And then the other document that I load in the iframe also has the background set to transparent. So it actually like, you can still see the other website like, transparently a little bit behind this new modal so it, it it looked perfect like it looked perfect okay but the the big problem that i'm finding with it is uh, if you were to enter like a username password in this in this iframe yeah well if people are using the browser to remember their username passwords it would be set to my other site not the site where oh the iframe is Oh, I see. So let's say, you know, because you're sort of like you're creating an account, but for the site where where the iframe is being opened. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, so I guess that's not really going to work, right? Unless you can, like, are there, so this is way outside of my my domain. I really don't know anything about this, but like, is it possible? Because it... Like, is our iframes considered to be, like, bad practice or manipulable? Because it feels, even already, it's like, oh, technically, you have a site that's laid over transparently on top of this 
or you know like it's a mixed experience at least from a from a viewer point of view it's like what where is this content really what am i really seeing right well i mean yeah i don't i don't know i mean the browsers are not preventing it like it's not true it's not like a dark pattern like mm-hmm. i guess i could do it like put like an invisible iframe like that and have you click on a make you think you're clicking on a button that's underneath the iframe but you're actually clicking on another button to i'm sure there's a lot of phishing mm-hmm. attempts that are done that way but uh that's that's not what i'm doing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh i think i mean it would work uh, and and I like the fact that you're still on their website. So if you look at the address bar on the browser, it's still it's still the original domain name. But no, I think the proper the, the proper way of doing it is to to just create the HTML elements for that page. Mm-hmm. The reason I didn't do it that way at first because I'm I was worried about CSS conflicts. Uh-huh. Like, you know, is there some styling that they said on their site that's gonna mess up the styling of of what I'm putting on the page? Mm-hmm. Could you could you just design a bunch of classes and like effectively obfuscate all of the names so that there's like definitely no conflict? Well, I mean, you can never guarantee that there's no conflict, but if you set like like if you created UUIDs as class names or something like that, like could you- yeah, I can do that. But what if they put a universal style on oh. on buttons? Yeah, you're screwed. Or or form fields. Mm. Like, yeah, basically I have to write all the CSS and set it all to important. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have to like basically assign every single value so nothing cascades to it. Yeah. So it's a lot, it's a much bigger job, but... Yeah. Irritating. It's a soft solution. Other people are doing it all over yeah, the place. Yeah, that, that's a great point. That's a great point. I just, I've never done it before, so I need to hmm. to f- figure all that stuff out. Yeah, it's... it's uh... I feel like you just touched on something kind of interesting of like, it's funny to think about problems that we think are annoying or hard, but like when you, as soon as you frame it as like, somebody has definitely solved this before. Like, you know, whether, whether they open sources or not or whatever, it's like so much is possible because so many people, like when you think about the realm of problems yeah. on the internet that there are, it's like somebody's fucking solved this. Like, come on. And and that's the beauty of front end development is that mm-hmm. it, it's open source. <laughs> If someone solved it, you can just go look at their code and see how they did it. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm working on that. It, it's it's going well. I I I don't feel like I've hit a brick wall yet. So mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna continue on with this project. Fantastic. Um, so of course I'm asking myself again, like you know, this whole building in public thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this podcast is is part of the building in public. Like mm-hmm. you know, every week I get to talk about what I'm working on and what challenges I'm facing but the actual like what do I do on Twitter or in other forums that, that I'm, I still don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. I don't know what what like so far you know everything I've built this week I did none of it in public mm-hmm. so sh- you know should I have uh, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know what what to do uh, well okay I mean maybe a good place to start would be deciding what level of thing you're willing to share and what you're not willing to share. So like, for example, we're talking about like, with the descriptions you just gave, you're saying side projects. You're like, well, I have this one side project, but I have this other one. And it's like, you could say what you're working on, but the concern there is getting scooped. Like you don't want yeah. to, because you've told me these ideas and I think they're fantastic. And they they definitely work with 
with you and your audience and the kinds of things you like to build. And yeah, you don't want to get scooped, but at the same time, how do you, if you're building in public, how do you reconcile those two things? Of like, I want to get people excited because what I'm working on is exciting and it is cool. Um, and like, yeah. how do you, how do you share that? Or how do you decide to say like, all right, well, you know, like in this case, maybe it makes sense to hide it, but in this one, maybe, maybe you can talk more openly about it. Um, because I don't know, like I, I really do think about the, you know, ideas are worthless. Execution is everything. And especially in your case, like, sure, there's a lot of people that are trying to work in the no-code space, but I would argue that you've built what you've built with Power Importer and what your plans are. Um, you know, there's, you know, this kind of this ecosystem for you. So it's like, you can announce all the projects that you like and it's, but it's your ecosystem. So you, you get to decide in this walled garden <laughs> who you would let in and who you don't. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like, yeah, you know, the, the whole building a public thing is, is very tricky that way. Mm. I mean, I, I, I think I will start build, building some of it in public um, before it's finished, mm-hmm. you know, but I want to have a head start first. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think that's reasonable. Exactly. Like I want to have proven that, first of all, it can be built mm-hmm. and uh, that it is useful. And then, yeah, then of course I'll be more public about it and yeah. and show the progress. Uh, another thing I saw in the building public is uh, people were talking about revenue numbers. And, you know, like, do you talk about revenue or not? And one, th- one pattern I saw that a lot of people pointed out is that the people who do show revenue, they only do it at the beginning. Yeah. And there, is a, a, there is a point where they stop. Mm-hmm. So it's very, I think it's very telling, right? It's like, yeah, it might be a good idea at the beginning, um, but it's not, it's, it's not, at one point it's not. So is it? Is it not the whole time or just when you're becoming too big? Yeah, I I definitely struggle with this a lot. I don't... I think what would be very difficult, at least for me, is I start building something, I start making money, and then someone comes over and is like, I'm going to clone what he does and just undercut him. Exactly. And now granted, there's a lot more to this than just this service exists and it costs less. There's also who you advertise to, the like, the work that you put in to market and acquire customers. Like all of that's really hard, and just having just duplicating a service isn't enough. Um, that doesn't make me feel any better about seeing somebody pop up and being like, "Oh, Matt's making a lot of money. Let me get some of that." And then, yeah. like, that would that would piss me off. Exactly. Um, that's it. It's better. I mean, that's why I have I haven't done it, mm-hmm. especially when it's a it's a new space. Like, yeah. I am the first to build to build a simpler solution than Zapier and Tegramat for for syncing Airtable to Webflow. Yeah. So I sort of like dug this little niche for myself, and I don't want to go and tell people how much it's making and no. what are all my marketing revenue uh, marketing strategies. And yeah, I mean, I, I am sharing a lot of it on the podcast which yeah. I probably shouldn't be <laughs> maybe I mean I, like I think saying like I'm on Twitter <laughs> like that's not really <laughs> yeah. I tweet sometimes like that's not like you're not giving away anything crazy there but yeah man this is a struggle that's a real struggle because I agree like I, I don't think I would ever share revenue numbers I think I might say something like oh I made I'm making in the fat like I, I crossed the thousand dollar mark like just just to be like I'm getting as maybe that's almost like a signal of like I'm getting traction, right? 
Um, but I, I might not ever say, yeah, it's like if I joined the one comma club, <laughs> then <laughs> that might be the furthest I'd take it. Um, I just, uh, yeah, like, well, you know, kind of working backwards from that, actually, like, do I care when people share revenue? Like, do I want like Derek Grimer or Ben Ornstein to be like, this is how much money we make. Like, does that help me? I don't think so. Cause it really ultimately like the problems that they're dealing with either map onto me or they don't. So if Ben is like, I'm trying to hire a head of sales, like that doesn't help me. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, I mean, you know, maybe if that was, a, if, if, I'm, if there was a problem overlap, maybe I would care. You know, I had certainly identify more with Derek when he says things. Like, I'm talking about art of product, by the way. But um, when Derek says like, oh, I'm trying to balance between support and development. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's a relatable problem. In, and, you know, how much MRR you, you make doesn't really, I mean, yeah, maybe it opens up the idea that you can bring on some support, but like doesn't really change things. So it's like the, the quality content is more for like, tell me about the your problem so I can take ideas and use them, employ them for myself versus Matt has huge balls and is <laughs> saying he's making thousands of dollars a month and is very upfront about it. Like, I don't know. That's, that just seems fucking crazy to me. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there is part of me that likes seeing other people's numbers, right? I guess, I guess it's selfish that, oh, yeah. that I'm not doing it in, in return, but yeah, it's nice to know like, okay, potion is making 2000 a month, mm. you know, it's, and you know, he's been working on it for, for a year now, I guess, or maybe under a year. Mm. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people working on stuff in public and, you know, and then all of a sudden they celebrate, oh, I'm, I got my first paying customer. And you go, what? <laughs> I've been seeing you build this for months. Like, what do you mean your first paying customer? Mm -hmm. So it is, it is nice to, to see the contrast. Part of the, the, well, one of the questions I have for building in public as well is, I wonder how much what you tweet about matches up with like the audience that you get that correlates with sales and i guess maybe i've just asked an impossible question because everybody talks about how difficult it is to know like i got a sale where did it come from and it's like unless it has like you know a refer header in it that's like buy this right now in a tweet and you click it and something happens like it's it can be difficult to know how people are finding you um but it's interesting to think like oh i'm working in public so who are the people who are going to like really care about me and what I'm doing. Because if I'm tweeting about like, oh, I'm doing my taxes, like maybe other entrepreneurs care about that, but maybe they don't care about my product. So it's like making, if I'm a dev, for example, like if I'm building a developer product, my tweets need to be about writing awesome code or funny things I find on Hacker News versus, um, ooh, I'm finishing up this feature, LOL, or I, I don't know, like, yeah, like how do you attract an audience of the people who are also likely to, to buy from you? Yeah, yeah like, totally, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. And I'm, I'm sure there's always like unanticipated crossovers of like, if I'm tweeting about no code and I'm tweeting about entrepreneurship, then like the Venn diagram of that is going to be like, I'm going to get some no code people and I'm going to get some entrepreneurs and I'm going to get some no code entrepreneurs. And like, just, you know, pray to God that, <laughs> that there's enough overlap that you're, that building an audience helps. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of me, yeah, part of me is, is thinking of, I'm building an audience and the audience, hopefully there's a subset of them that are potential customers. Mm -hmm. But part of me also just wants the sense of community, like just 
putting stuff out there and getting people to to send me feedback or or praise or you know mm-hmm. whatever. Sure. But for that second scenario, like I don't think those are potential customers. I think those are their fellow indie hackers or entrepreneurs or just plain hackers, like, like the kind of people that are hanging out on Hacker News. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I uh, I feel like I'm I'm not very focused and targeted. When you say focused and targeted, you mean focused and targeted on like building in public to market, or like can you break that down a little bit more? Basically, I I'm not very focused on who my audience is. Mm. So like, I have a bunch of things that I, I I want to build and share, and some of it is really just for the hacker news community. Mm. So I just want to do it because I because I think it's a neat idea. Mm. <laughs> but there's there's no way that these are people that I want to sell something to. Like mm-hmm. they're it's just you know it's just a sense of community, and I want to share a great idea with them and totally. And this part is- of Yes, it's so, a technical so. problem that other technical people will look at and appreciate. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? Or life hacks, or mm-hmm. yeah, all, all these other little things that interest me that I know interests other people in that community. Mm-hmm. But but I but I also see like the people that are just building in public, and that and that goal is really to talk to to build an audience that will be future customers. Right. Well, I mean, I feel like the king of of this is. You know, kind of Tim Ferriss of just being like, I have this interest and I'm going to write a book about it. And I'm going to go deep on it. And then he becomes like a dilettante and <laughs> just like, he's like a bumblebee going from flower to flower. And he's found an audience of people who care about that or who, who care about his interests and like his ability to be inquisitive and ask things. Like I love, he, he said something on his podcast like years ago, I think something like, I hope to, I hope that he's batting for one in five. One in five podcasts will you as like an individual audience member will like. So maybe he's going to do one on nutrition, another one on entrepreneurship, another one on dieting, another one on mindfulness. And it's like, I'm here for the mindfulness and that's it. And it's like, great, mission accomplished. I got you. One in five of my podcasts hit. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Like, you know, maybe not every tweet is going to, Matt's going to like, you know, I don't really care how you like your eggs, but I do like hearing about um, judo and yeah, no color. Yeah, no, no, that's a very good point. I, I, I never heard that about Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I, and it's funny, at the time I was like, I never really got it. But then as soon as we like, you know, talking about this and really just in general, because, um, you know, again, talking with my friend Jim, talking about like, you know, how do you come up with a Twitter personality and what's in it? And I realized that, like, you know, we're multifaceted beings and, you know, it would be nice if I could just regurgitate over and over and over again, uh, I don't know, some technical stuff or whatever, like, but that would be kind of monotonous. I don't know. I'm not a bot. I have, <laughs> I have more things to say than just that. So it's like, maybe those are the people that I want in my audience. No, that's really, really good. This is, this gives me something to think about. Just be myself. That's it, baby. <laughs> be your beautiful individual self. Exactly. Because I'm good enough and I'm smart enough. Exactly. And God darn it, people like me. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting to think about. Like, I feel that, like, I don't like building an audience. I really don't. <laughs> I just I have an inferiority complex, 
and I just feel like I'm being judged with everything that I say. So I would prefer to go out and just sell to people and just be like, fuck, I don't need to build an audience. I can call you up and I can solve your problem for you. Um, and it's like, as soon as there's an audience of any kind, I feel like it's the faceless masses. I'm like, oh God, I can't deal with you. I can't defend myself again. I can't defend, I can't defend how I feel. I can't defend my, my opinions against the masses. I just, it's one of those things you just have to put out and share and be okay with. And maybe that's what we're doing with this podcast to some degree. I feel better about chatting about it and kind of giving context around how I feel and, and what, what my opinions are and why. But when it comes to Twitter, I just, ugh. <laughs> yeah i mean for the the first eight nine years of my indie hacker journey i i i was in the shadows and i liked it that way mm-hmm. like no i did nothing on twitter with my personal account i wasn't active on indie hackers and 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 i i liked it like i i like this idea of like there's so many business ideas that you know can easily generate a few thousand a month and you don't have to be so public or build an audience or they just sell themselves and and my idea was like i would just have a huge portfolio with all these anonymous very niche products and but i yeah for power porter i did it differently i I thought no no i gotta i gotta try this building public and totally podcast about it and but i'm still not finding my groove yet so what do you think might be a goal you can set well i mean well i mean you can kind of see where i'm going but one of the things i was going to say was okay maybe it makes sense to to define for yourself what build in public means so like there are the things that i'm not going to share like maybe you decide not sharing revenue that's not happening cool so like how how much and how often because it's like well do i am i going to share twice a day or twice a week and it's like does that mean that i only have time to share the big things and not the little thing and then figuring out like all right i'm just going to set a goal for a cadence and it's about hitting that thing every week i don't know but i guess i'm looking at this and thinking like what's a measurable step forward that you can take to fulfill the build in public goal says the guy who's been setting goals for 36 hours (laughs) that's a really good seg for (laughs) a good segue for um i mean i i know what the popular recommendation is like i know what you should be tweeting several times a day and mm-hmm. and even retweeting stuff that you think deserves a second look. Or mm-hmm. So if I were to set a goal, I would know what I'm supposed to be doing. But do I want to be doing it? Mm-hmm. Just as important of a question. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. But I think what what I can do is maybe like brainstorm a bit more. Find out what's what's my goal with with Twitter. I mean, we had a we had a goal for the podcast, and I think that is actually you know that is successful. Like that, I'm getting what I wanted out of it. Great. But uh, so far, Twitter, I'm I'm not. <laughs> so I need to yeah figure out what do I want out of it. Like what what would be something I could measure? That's yeah, this is bringing me value. Mm. So is it is it just simply leads for power importer, or is it you know? personal dms or comments from people or is it just the number of followers so now i'm looking at it as a i bet you could <laughs> now all of a sudden i was just like filled with games you could play i'm just like okay well um 
you could have a pinned tweet or in your profile be like, oh, I literally put a discount code. I tweet every day. I pin, I, I like t- tweet and pin a new tweet with a referral code in it. And if you activate that as part of the checkout process, I check to see if you follow me or you know what I mean? Like, I'm just thinking out loud, like there's some hilarious shit you could probably do to be like, hey, your transaction, your coupon code was refused because you don't follow me. Or I don't know, like just silly, silly little things. Um, but, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, need to, you need to retweet this to get a 10% discount. I'll DM you. And in order to, ooh, ooh, ooh that could be interesting. But I, I mean, like, you know, if it were if that were if that were the kind of thing, I mean maybe that's a dark pattern. <laughs> I don't I don't know, but I mean that's you want to go viral, baby. Like now's your chance. Yeah, I yeah I don't know, because I even as a consumer of Twitter, I still don't know what I want. Mm. Like like I had a we've talked about this before, and I had a a friend that was listening to the podcast reached out, told me like I I don't understand what, what's your problem with Twitter. Like I love Twitter. I just I follow a bunch of people that interest me and it's like, it's my own curated like, source of news. Or, mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, I'm seeing it. I, I, back then I was seeing it a lot more like, like this sense of community, mm-hmm. like making contacts with people and building meaningful virtual relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely don't treat Twitter that way. I, I tend to take more of the view of like, there are influencers and there are influencees or like the influenced <laughs> And it's like you fall into one of those buckets, but like that's not really true. I mean, not really. Like I follow, I follow you because I want to know what you're up to. And you know, you're not, you're not the prophet. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just interested. Right, and that's it. I, I mean, obviously, like we're we're friends and we we talk on a bunch of different channels, so we don't need to follow each other on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I think of that, okay, Matt's following me. Does he really want to see me like constantly? posting these vague questions that are just designed to get people to engage mm-hmm. and then to retweet stuff that I just posted eight hours ago and to use all those gimmicks that people are using. Like, right. do, do I really want this? You know, well, like where, where I become predictable. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. It's Tuesday. Mark is posting a throwback Tuesday because he's weird that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does. No, yeah. <laughs> like I think, um, so I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I employ none of this. But, you know, to take the other side of the argument, if you just treat your followers like they're literally all your friends, like they're following you because they care about what you have to say, then, you know, you could do a throwback Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> and as long as you, you feel like, I don't think you should ever necessarily post something because you're like, I need to post something. You should post something because you're genuinely curious. Like, ask questions of people that you think are good. Or, like, I don't know. Like, you deal with, you're dealing with Airtable and Webflow. Just, like, what is the, what is the least understood aspect of, of Airtable? And I, I don't know. Like, it might be interesting what you find out. Same with Webflow. Like, I don't know. If you, if you treat your list of people like, you know, smart people who are interested in what you're doing, like, you don't have to contrive anything. Because they probably would feel respected <laughs> to know that you're not just sending out shit to try to, like, get them to talk to you. Like... That's not that's not the point at all. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's probably plenty that I can be tweeting about that ha- that has value that can be interesting to people. Because like I feel like we I feel like I've, I've, I might have said this before, but like I can tell that the thing that's important for you is authenticity. Like 
it is impossible for you to not be Mark. And if you feel like you're putting on a mask of any kind, then I think you feel deep, <laughs> like deep discomfort. So it's like in this world where there it's, um, it's how do we appear and, and how, how do people see us and engage with us? Like, how do I maintain my authenticity while also, um, you know, providing value and forming a real community? I don't want to just stir the pot. Like I want to, I want to engage authentically with people and, I think you have a great mind with great questions. I don't think you should necessarily, I think maybe you, you can maybe go too far and judge yourself and say, oh man, this, maybe this is too potstery. But like, if you treat your followers, like this is a question I actually do want to know the answer to them, then your curiosity is what's authentic. Thanks. That's good to know. Cause yeah, like, I mean, I know you. So if I <laughs> see a tweet from you on, on Twitter, I know you've put it out there cause it's interesting or, right. you know, you think you, you put it out there because you think that me, one of your followers might be interested to see it. I mean, that's it. I guess I, I should put aside all the, yeah, I just need to tweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically it. Right. Just set a goal to whenever I, I get an idea of something, like just, just write it down. And then when I'm ready to tweet, it just tweet it. Yeah. One thing I think that I'm trying to make myself get over is I don't think there's anything wrong with dripping content over time. Like just because I have a thought right now and I tweet it and I don't have thoughts necessarily every day, I think it makes sense to create a bunch of content when you're in a, like create a bunch of tweets that are insightful and interesting and drip them, schedule them and drip them over time. I actually don't see anything personally wrong with that because I don't create gold every day. I create gold like <laughs> one out of five days. Like I feel good about what I've done. Right. Or like I'll, I'll watch a lecture. Like one of the things I really want to tweet more about is just um, like developer happiness in general. Like the word should is very toxic. Oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. Oh, I'm, oh, it's Saturday. I should be working on, working out, not playing video games. Oh, I should be washing, doing the laundry and not like having a beer on the on the deck or whatever, right? Like you fuck the shoulds. Fuck fuck should. There's the what's need to what you need to do and then there's everything else. And it's like sometimes you fuck off and want to drink beer and that's okay. And it's like I want to tweet this and it but it's like, you know, <laughs> it's usually after therapy. Like I'll have therapy and then be like, okay, I've got all these thoughts and feelings and you just need to buffer them and drip them out yeah. over time. Um, oh, no, I agree. I agree. Like I don't see that negatively. Like just buffering stuff or <laughs> I think it's perfectly fine yeah because okay. otherwise you know you'd come up with all these ideas and post it all on Monday and then exactly yeah <laughs> and then have nothing for the rest of the week and, mm -hmm. so yeah thanks thanks yeah. Uh, that, that helps good well. so yeah so how was your week uh, a lot of freelancing but I hit a mile well by the end of this week I'll have hit a milestone which is great which is I took up freelancing because I wanted to hit a certain number in, um, in replenishing my bank account and making plans for the year. Um, I'm trying to be more opportunistic and just in my life, like realizing that not everything is forever. So you should capitalize on the, on some things while you can. So while also creating runway for myself, I know that I want to take a trip, like walk staying in Montreal for the winter. Like it's this place is ridiculous. It's so cold. So um, I really want to go to Mexico next year. We went to Cuba in 2019, before COVID, right before COVID we went. Um, and we're like, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> let's go. So we're planning a trip to Mexico this year. And um, 
we have one or two other like small trips planned. So I've funded, I've replenished my bank account to a certain degree, and I've by the end of this week, I'll have paid for some trips and some things that we want to do. And now this, which is fucking fantastic. And like, I'm really happy about where the current contract is. I love what, what um, we have. I have a good, good relationship with my client. He's happy with, and it's lots of ideas and I can kind of shape the process and things aren't so urgent. Um, uh, we can work more incrementally, which is awesome. So I've kind of hit this goal of, I, I got out of a freelancing contract what I wanted. So that doesn't mean I'm, I'm quitting. Like I, um, I'm totally okay to continue this. Um, because it gives me something, uh, and when it doesn't, I'll stop. But I need the the next most important thing that I need to now focus on. Um, I guess it was pretty easy for me to just forego everything else. Oh, I, I got to make this money. I got to do this. And I don't necessarily think that was quite correct, but I did it, and it was restful, so whatever. But I'm at the point now where I can say, all right, I really need to reclaim my time more and understand, look, these are the hours at which I will freelance during the week. It's going to look like whatever Monday to Wednesday from from these hours, and that way I know you're getting your your uh, you're getting your time in, and you're and I'm, both of us are happy with that. But really focusing on my own projects now, like I really put myself on the back seat for a while, um, falling into my old habits of having a job. But um, especially now with the goal setting that we've that we've <laughs> that I've been doing, um, I've been thinking a lot more about. You know, working backwards from a goal. I had no, I did, I, it's so funny that I forgot this of, you know, you set a goal for the future and then as soon as you put a date on it and it's concrete enough, you can say, great, every month, every month has to look like this or every other month has to look like this in order for you to accomplish this. And all of a sudden it kind of feels like, oh wait, I actually have things to do, like meaningful things because I'm shooting for this, this goal over here. So now that I've kind of sat down and gone through, okay, what is my one year? I've kind of been doing one in, one year and five year planning. Um, I've been looking at my five year and I'll talk about it a little bit. So um, my five year goal is I sat down and I looked at all of my um, budgets. I'm a big wine abber. I know exactly how much money I burn every month and how much I need to save if I want to go to Mexico or whatever. So I can look at it and say, I burn pretty much uh, about $40,000 a year. Um, and all I need to do is my, so my goal would be in the next five years, I want to have an asset and an asset could be a service based business. It could also be a product, but it needs to be something that I own that I can grow as, as needed or that I can put energy into growing and make money from it. Preferably, you know, making money while I sleep. A service business isn't necessarily like what I want to be doing, but if it helps me realize that goal and the lifestyle that I'm looking for, then I think that that's totally okay. But in the next five years, um, I want an asset that can be making money, that it can be, that is making money, that is throwing off about you know, $55,000 Canadian in profit that I can a year that I can pull out of the business. Um, and maybe that's one product or several or whatever. Maybe it's a product plus a bit of freelancing. You know, the, the lifestyle that I'm shooting for is I want to, I, I, I like working and I am not afraid of it. The things that I want are the flexibility to say, we live in Canada, it's the summer, I'm going surfing. See you next week. <laughs> um, 
or, you know, I, I like the ability to work when it's convenient for me. So I want to design a lifestyle where I can work, you know, there's, there's the number of hours I need to work to keep things working smoothly, have things working appropriately. And then there's the hours that I'd like to work where I can push myself technically, or I can grow the business. I can market. I can, you know, there's, I have lots of different levers that I can pull in those want to work hours. And the idea is those want to work hours can balloon or they can shrink. And maybe it's the time of year. Maybe it's what's going on in my life, but I know that I want that flexibility. So now the, we were chatting a little bit before the podcast started of when it comes to goals and like the, like how long does it take to get to that situation? I have no idea. And maybe the answer is you can't know. Like, you, I don't know. Like, like you, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's when it comes to time, like how long does anything take? I don't know. No, nobody can predict the future. Yeah. But I would be willing to say that, you know, I mean, if I can't make something happen, even if it wasn't that amount of money specifically, but if I can't make something happen in five years, I've got questions about like, okay, maybe this isn't viable or maybe it is. I, I don't know. Um, but I think five years is a reasonable time horizon to be able to say, okay, like let's find success here. So the kind of first goal, so I mean, great. So that's the five year. So the next, the most important thing to make that a reality in my mind is, um, finding the thing. So if there is an asset or multiple assets that's creating that situation, how can I find that asset? So my most immediate goal is find the thing, build towards that asset. So in the next 12 months, that asset, I want to have that asset and I want to make a thousand dollars a month from it. And I think given now that I'm able to break up my day between freelancing and working on other things, now that I know, okay, I can work towards something, I feel very comfortable setting a, a 12 month goal like that. It seems very reasonable. It's not, it's not a pipe dream. Like this, mm. the five, even the five year one is very reasonable. I hope so. <laughs> I, Part of me, part of me has been thinking that we don't necessarily, we don't control the future. Uh, you know, we don't control the outcomes. All you can control is your level of input. And I guess I kind of have been approaching a lot of this with luck. Like not, I kind of look at things and it's like, because you don't control the output, there are these luck factors. And sure, you can work really hard and you can have info. Like it's not like your level of input has no bearing on the outcome. Like that makes no sense. But, uh, but I guess I've kind of been looking at this of like, in terms of finding the next thing, in terms of finding that asset, how do you, you know, it, it almost feels like luck. Discovering that is, is very luck based, but yeah. maybe it is and it isn't. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I love your story with how you figured out how to do power importer of like putting yourself out there and realizing, Hey, this no code thing is interesting. Maybe I'll start an agency. This agency thing, fuck, sucks. I really don't want to do this. <laughs> oh, but there's this one problem over here. Wow, a lot of people have this problem, actually, and they talk about it in the forums. Awesome. I think I'm going to build this. Hey, I built it. People are paying me. Like It's like a very clear, logical path. Um, and yeah, I guess part of me is still scared that I'm not going to be able to do that or that something's going to get in the way. But, nah, fuck it. Like I've got ideas. <laughs> I've got some ideas. Just build. I'm, but I mean, you're right. You can't, you can't predict the future and... And you can't control like like having the goal of making a thousand a month in the next year. Like you can't control that, right? Like yeah. you can't control people giving you money. I wish you could. That'd be so dope. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but but you can't, right? Yeah. And and you can't control like finding an idea that's gonna find traction. And so, but you can you can have some 
some good guests of like what needs to be done. So, you know, so the the plan might be, well, I need to come up with at least five ideas in the next year because, mm. you know, there's an element of luck there. So if I'm able to like ex- quickly explore and execute on five ideas, one of them is going to have to find success and mm. and then easily make a thousand a month. Yeah. Like it, it's, it shouldn't take a year to make a thousand a month from one product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's achievable. Yeah. So then, so then, what you can control is is what is your time mm-hmm. and what you do with your time. So if your goal is okay, I'm gonna I got at least try five different ideas this year. Uh, not not that the goal is to do five, but the mm-hmm. the goal is to pace yourself that I will come up and execute on five at least five ideas until one of them works. Mm-hmm. That seems like a yeah a very good plan. So yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, the next step for me is I, I have a running idea list of things that I'd like to work on. Um, and yeah, just kind of picking the next most interesting thing, or um, I don't know, maybe even coming up with a heuristic to figure out like, well, if it's small enough to build it, maybe I just build it and I try. Versus, okay, well, how much going out and like pre-sale can I do? It depends. You know, it depends on a lot of things. Like I think. Uh, I have a few ideas, especially around OCR. Um, like I, I like the idea of like when I, you know, at previous places I used to work, um, I had a lot of product managers that would be like, I ran this query in production and I got this. And they would just like take a screen grab and dump it into Slack. And, you know, we used to do this all the time. We would do it with internal things. Sometimes there's tickets or whatever. You know, there's a lot of different reasons you would do this. And um, when you're dealing with database IDs, everything's a UUID or it's a fuck long string. It's super huge of, of numbers and nobody has numpad keys on their keyboards anymore. So it's That's annoying right. to type. Um, so I wanted to do OCR on an image. So drop the image in OCR on it and even be able to either like have the text spit out at you to be like, this is all the text I could find or even like overlay um, text, transparent text on top of the, uh, on top of the words inside of the, uh, uh, inside of the image so that you can kind of highlight and do things. And that's a very difficult problem, but there's some very, depending on how the font that's chosen, you have some really interesting uh, things you can do with OCR. So that was one. And then I love the idea too, of you, you brought this up too, like, well, that's great. Like, you know, that's a Slack bot. Um, but maybe you can take that and use and just integrate it with a bajillion things. Like maybe that's um, a, a service, like an API that you could hook up with Zapier. So you could be advertise it as like, hey, somebody drops in a thing into their no code thing and into their portal and that goes into Zapier and Zapier calls me with the image, I OCR it and I return it or, or whatever. Like there's a bunch of different reasons why um, uh, or a bunch of different use cases for something like this and it's just like that with anything like the apiification of of our world yeah um and then the other interesting one that i've been thinking about is markdown tables um with my freelancing i've been doing i've been copying and pasting a lot of tables in and out of slack and i didn't know this but apparently like so the the thing we all want to do is to go to google sheets (laughs) highlight a bunch of cells copy it and paste it into slack um and that fucking sucks. It's horrible. It's just like Slack tries to help. Like it tries to put tabs in and that kind of thing. But I find it not very readable. But especially when you compare it against markdown tables. Because markdown tables are so much easier to read. Um, I didn't know this. 
But apparently, if you're using the Microsoft ecosystem uh, and you're, you're inside Excel TM and you copy cells and you paste them into uh, Microsoft Teams, I think, is it Teams? Whatever, the, the chat one, Microsoft chat client, it auto formats it for you and it spits it out in either Markdown or some other like tabular format. And it's like, see, that's exactly the thing that's missing. Like we need a, we need a table maker inside of, inside of Slack. Um, so it's like my, you know, like my, my, like few, my week as a pseudo data scientist of like moving stuff around in and out of Slack and trying to share results. All of a sudden I was like, oh, actually this is, this could be a lot better. So thinking like, oh, what if I just had a Slack bot that just like, you paste some data in and it'll it'll try to ingest it as a table and it'll auto reply to you with it formatted as a as a as a markdown table right or or something along those lines because there's been i've seen a lot of these microsites like you generate me a uuid or there's one of these that you use for generating markdown tables and i was using it a bunch and it's like it's cool but it's poorly designed so i'm like oh man i could i could design this better and like maybe I can use that as a call to action to to sell the the bot or something or I I don't know like you know to begin figuring out how do you right how do you like with something so small like a microsite like how do you begin getting traffic and letting people know it exists yeah often you you can't actually monetize the microsite mm-hmm. but but it can be used to to collect email addresses and then mm-hmm. so yeah so I've got a bunch of like small ideas um, or like small in scope I'll say they're small in scope. I don't actually know. I don't know that much about OCR. I've played with it a little bit in the past, but um, if you were going to try to build something production worthy, I, I don't know what comes out of that. Because everybody talks about, I feel like the big use case is OCR of invoices. Like that's the number one fucking thing. Like everybody, everybody just wants to be able to OCR an invoice. And yeah. So I mean, if it's not a solved problem, then this this is not easy. Clearly, but right. but yeah, some ideas that I that I have. Oh, cool. So are you going to build these in public? Yeah, I'd like to. I, I think um, I think especially something like a microsite. I think that would be really useful, um, especially because like I don't. It, it might be so. Okay, I've been thinking about SEO for like I think the the, the OCR one is interesting, but I think the, the markdown tables is, is a little the it's a tighter scope. I think I can finish it quicker. But because it's a microsite, it's kind of interesting to think like how do you SEO a microsite? It just does one thing. Like, how, how do you, how do you, how do you generate juice for this? So, um, well, I mean, I think it's if it's useful, if it's a useful microsite and it's free and like that's the kind of thing that you can share on Hacker News and yeah, right. And then people discover it and then they share it mm-hmm. because it's it's free and useful. Yeah. So that's usually how you get your SEO. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're not going to do much keyword stuffing on the site. No. Uh, but you will get a lot of inbound links, so that's that's usually all you need. Mm. That's usually more important than the actual keyword stuffing. Mm. Yeah, the having having uh, valuable links. So yeah, like been thinking about um, yeah, I've been thinking about how to how to generate some juice for that. And like now that I've um, spent a little bit of time in data science forums and not you know on Reddit and that sort of thing. Um, I've got some ideas for like how to create interesting, interesting outputs and like, how can I include a tool ch- in this in a tool chain or I don't know. I've got some interesting ideas for like talking directly to people who would use something like this. Um, cause we can't always just screen share an Excel file or we don't always want to. So yeah, I've, I've got some ideas. Um, cool. Yeah. That's perfect. 
that's often that's the hardest part is <laughs> finding ideas yeah and the nice thing I, I just like about this is that it's so small in scope that it's um, I'm just thinking I had a really good discussion on Friday with my with my buddy and we were talking about momentum like how can you build some momentum and capitalize on momentum because it's once you get momentum it makes it so much easier to continue to move forward so I think even with a small project like oh yeah it'll be really nice to um, just get some wins man getting wins is really important yeah it's, it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to, to following along. Yeah. So I think this week, um, my big thing is going to be, all right, well, let's take that. I need to take that goal that I've set and then set some monthly goals of just like, hey, am I getting closer? Am I, or am I getting further away from, from where I want to be? So, so far, it looks like you might be consulting three days a week and two days of indie hacking. Mm, that's a good question. So... Uh, right now I'm doing, t uh, so my agreement is like 12 to 16 hours a week of consulting. Um, and I usually would do that over two days. Um, I think I'll continue to do that kind of like two days of, you know, six hours each, um, plus a few hours here and there for calls and brainstorming and that kind of thing. Cause like now I can move so quickly, like there tends to be some handshaking that we need to do. Um, but yeah, figuring out how to make sure that I'm delivering good, consistent work for my client um, and then just devoting as much as I can to, to coding from here. So I think I was doing um, Tuesday, Wednesday. We tend to report on Monday and that takes out a, a big chunk of the day. But, you know, I consulted this morning. I did some freelancing this morning for him and I'll probably do tomorrow, Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday. I, you know, I'm going to try to go surfing either this weekend or next weekend, but um, I'd like to do you know, Thursday, Friday, whole days of, of just working on this and hopefully tweeting about my feelings and trying to build some momentum. <laughs> yeah, no, that seems like a, that seems like a lot of time. Like a lot of people build side projects with a lot less time than that. Mm. Like people who have full-time jobs. Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of my, that's my plan. Awesome. So yeah, so now I guess the rest of it is, since I've done all this goal setting, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about my work and what I do want to do for the next year. I've got some personal goals that I need to figure out as well. And then um, I think part of the other thing too is figuring out, you know, one, one of my goals, one of my five-year goals is to have either be living or have lived in another place. So I'd love to, uh, you know, my wife and I have thought, talked about Portugal a lot and it's like, oh, well, maybe we could uh, think about living there for a year or something. And then it's like, well, it's, it's, it's really interesting because as, as soon as that becomes your goal, you think backward and think, okay, well, in the next year, let's take a week trip to Portugal. And then maybe in the following year, let's take a three-week trip to Portugal. And like really kind of figuring out like, how do we do this? Um, so now I'm starting to lay out plans for like, okay, well, it's Mexico this year, but maybe even later in the year, depending on business success or freelancing opportunities or just desire. Let's go figure out two weeks in Portugal. Let's go. Nice. Um, yeah. So it almost it, it almost feels like certainty for us, just for a little bit. Like right. Oh, yeah. No. Exactly. If I treat right. if I treat the goal as if it's true, then there are certain steps that I can take. So great, do it. Yeah, and it's I find it's amazing the difference of just writing it down. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, it's it's more real and it's become things become clear. Like wait, what, why was I doing this? This is not compatible with this with this goal that I just wrote down. Yeah. Right. If, if your goal was to move to Portugal in, in two years, well, it'd be ridiculous to shop for a house right now in Montreal. Exactly. Like, you go, 
wait, what the hell am I doing? Like, I should be renting for the next two years in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you really woke me up to that um, last podcast when you talked about, like, that's being able that your goals are your lens on the yeah. world for how to about, evaluate a decision. It's like, shit, I've been, like, I feel like a ship without a rudder. Like, I've just kind of been like, oh, the wind's blowing over here. Okay, I guess that's, exactly. that's where we're going. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, actually, I have, you know, I, I have dreams. And you should probably write them down because you all of a sudden you, it puts things in perspective. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you, you actually gave it a try. Yeah, I, I recommend it to anyone who's listening. Think about what you want. It's the <laughs> thing you should probably do. <laughs> crazy yeah jeez yeah so that's pretty much it for me just you know it's summertime so i'm still fighting to get myself to have myself be productive but well that's okay there's time yeah and i'm actually like i'm in halfway now between summer mode and Mm. and workaholic mode (laughs) great (laughs) like i'm uh i'm still enjoying like now my my routine is when i get up in the morning i i read while drinking my coffee Mm. Like usually, I jump out of bed, make coffee, and then go to my computer right away and start working. Mm-hmm. So now, like I, I just read mm-hmm. while drinking, nice. and then once I'm finished my coffee, then yeah, it's either I start working or do an activity. Yeah, having routines that you really like is just like it's like the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate superpower. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I get to wake up and sit outside in the sun while I drink my coffee and just kind of hang it. Exactly. So, and it's something I haven't been able to do all week because it was too hot. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Sounds good. Yeah, man. Good to see you as always. Yeah. And good luck surfing. Yeah. Oh, you, no, no luck required. You're coming. <laughs> good luck. Good luck with you. Good luck to you surfing. That <laughs> sounds good. All right. If there's no episode next week, it's because there was a huge surfing accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've killed each other. <laughs> All right, man. I'll catch you later. All right. All right. See ya. See ya.